Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. Memorial Day. The words bring images, memories to us all in the cities and towns across America. We pause and remember everything we are as a people, as a nation. We the living pause and honor our war dead, those who have fallen and given us their tomorrows so we can have our todays and more. And uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a penny for your thoughts here as we head into the Memorial Day weekend. Great to have you with us here after a busy week, and we've got a busy weekend ahead, of course, Memorial Day weekend. And the voice you heard was that of Major General John Borling, U.S. Air Force retired. He uh, served 33 years in high-level command and staff positions, a highly decorated fighter pilot. His awards include the Silver Stars, two Distinguished Flying Crosses, three Bronze Stars with V for Valor, two Purple Hearts, six Air Medals, and the Prisoner of War Medal. Piloted many aircraft, F-15, Eagle, F-16, Viper, F-4, Phantom, SR-71 Blackbird, TR-1U2, B-52 and B-1 Bombers, tankers in command and control aircraft. He is a uh, published author, he's a poet, he's a columnist, got a weekly columnist, the third degree, and a speaker. He's a business board chair, he founded SOS America, Service Over Self, and uh, Chicago-born, and he is our uh, guest today up in Rockford, and we're pleased to have him with us. He's also, by the way, a laureate of the Lincoln Academy of Illinois, which my wife, Leanne, is the executive director now, and also a recipient of the Order of Lincoln, the highest honor tendered by the state. And he is our guest today. We're honored to have him with us. Major General John Borling is with us. And, uh, John, good to have you with us. Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Well, after that uh, thunderbolt kind of introduction, all I can say, Brian, is this better be a pretty darn good conversation <laughs> to keep your listeners on board. <laughs> you've, uh, uh, you've, you've struck me speechless almost well <laughs> it is it is an honor to have you with us and uh first of all how are you doing and are you up in rockford right 
We are. Uh, yeah. We've lived up here about 20 years. After the military, we went back to the south side of Chicago, where my wife and I grew up, and spent three or four years running some stuff in Chicago and mm-hmm. uh, integrating ourselves back into a civilian experience after those many years in the military. Cool. Uh, and then uh, and then moved up here. My business, I travel a lot. And uh, she's got a widowed sister here, and it made a lot of sense. And we've got an old house on the river that uh, affords us... Uh, uh, mm-hmm the kind of uh, living that uh, is really nice. In fact, my marriage requires the moving waters, if you will, to keep everything calm. <laughs> so uh, thanks very much for that introduction. On, uh, I didn't realize you were going to use the start of the video mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is just now released and airing around the country this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's called We Are Americans. People can find it. Uh, I think by going to DVIDS, which is a Department of Defense site, or even onto YouTube and uh, uh, downloading uh, We Are Americans uh, Memorial Day special tribute uh, produced by the Air Force Academy, and I had a hand in putting it together and narrating it. Mm-hmm. So uh, part of uh, part of our solemn consideration of this weekend, is it not? Well, it is, and that's for sure. And I know that uh, so many in in our society, you know, it's a start of summer, it's a, you know, get-togethers and and all of that, but we cannot lose sight of the fact of why we have this weekend and this day, Memorial Day in particular. Uh, It's just so important, isn't it? Well, uh, yes, Uh, short answer. I host a ceremony at the Logan statue, Major General John A. Logan in Chicago at 900 South Michigan Avenue. Uh, General Logan, as you know, is the founder of Memorial Day. Uh, Illinois uh, general who kept Illinois in the Union, frankly, and one of three mentioned in the song, Illinois, Illinois, that would be uh, Lincoln, Grant, and, and Logan, kind of the unsung hero of the 19th century. So I'll put in the in the plug, if anybody's uh, near to Chicago on Memorial Day, the 30th, uh, this coming Monday, uh, at 11 o'clock at 900 South Michigan, we will do a one-hour ceremony. It's well-attended city and civic leadership, veterans groups, uh, a few speeches, uh, laying of wreaths, uh, certainly taps. Uh, the Chicago Police Department is there uh, to provide uh, honor guard presence and rifle salute uh and uh, we've been doing this now as i say for over a quarter century and uh, started with the hundredth rededication of the logan statue which in uh, 1897 had a quarter million people on the streets logan was that important mm. yeah let's talk more about him tell me more about john logan well uh he was a southern southerner in the marion illinois area before the war, he was a Douglas Democrat, very, very visceral, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, with secession, however, uh, he uh, changed allegiances uh, and pledged uh, fealty to the Union and to Lincoln, uh, went home to southern Illinois, raised up, excuse me, a regiment mm-hmm. uh, over the objections of many in southern Illinois. And uh, led it into battle uh, and was terribly wounded at Fort Donaldson, uh, recovered 
continue to uh, pursue the union cause. Uh, some say uh, he kept Southern Illinois in the union. There was a good deal of uh, objection and rejection of some of his activities there. Mm. Uh, but uh, finished the war uh, much honored and went back to Washington as a congressman, then as a senator, and became under the uh, Blaine a presidency uh, attempt, uh, his vice presidential nominee, where uh, they were not successful. He died suddenly in 1886, mm. but not before in 1868 as the commander of the Grand Armor of the Republic, the veterans organization uh, that uh, sprung up after the war, uh, establishing with General Order 11 Memorial Day. And President Grant, uh, in that same year, actually within the year when he took over the presidency, uh, had the first official Memorial Day ceremony at Arlington, mm. where, interestingly enough, uh, there were flowers strewn on the graves of the Union and Confederate soldiers, talking about a binding up of the nation's uh, concerns and divisions that mm -hmm. came out of the Civil War. Sure. So that's just a, a, a part of it. In 1997, a 100-year poem, and I was asked by Mayor Daly to rededicate that statue, and we did. I was 250 people in the street uh, and have had a ceremony there as part of the ceremonies that the city holds, uh, which includes a parade. Uh, we brought that back and a ceremony at the uh, Daly Center. That's all on Saturday, but we do the Logan statue mm. uh, ceremony on mm. Monday. Yeah. We've got uh, General John Borling with us. If you have any thoughts along the way, certainly you can share those. Text, emails, 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. You also do a column, uh, Third Degree, uh, and in one of those columns, I saw you mentioned all the American military cemeteries, how many there are, memorials, how many countries. Uh, we've got well, uh, lost I, lost men and women all yeah. over the place. We do. And uh, in the video, uh, and you know what I'll do is I'll send uh, you to the talk at uh, dwds.com uh, the uh, link that people can find and maybe you want to because it's too long to mm -hmm. to do it or what where they can find the link on online uh for that video because uh, we do use some of the american battle monuments uh, footage and people can go online and visit the memorials and cemeteries that are around the world and in fact in the in the video that we shot the we are americans video uh uh, we go to St. of Old, or the Lorraine Military Cemetery uh, in Lonesome Low Valley in eastern France, and uh, the impact of uh, physically being there, and we do it certainly uh, mm -hmm. uh, virtually, uh, is still stirring. Uh, I had a friend call me who was angry at me, and she said, why did you make me cry? <laughs> and I said, well, it makes me cry. Yep. And I think that there is a sense of feeling that uh, is important for all Americans uh, to recognize what it's taken over the years to make America uh, and uh, the contributions, the sacrifices of our war did certainly make it real. Absolutely. Tell me more about the column, too. It's third degree. What do you, uh, try, to, what do you try to do degree, there? Uh, well, uh, 
it was published in newspapers for more than a couple of years, and uh, then I elected to take it um, private uh, and uh, make it a subscription model. But it's very expensive, Brian. Uh, (laughs) So I caution all your listeners not uh, to jump at the third-degree column uh, without considerable thought because it, it, it costs a cup of coffee a month uh, in order to get it on Sundays. It always comes out on Sundays, and I send it back channel emails. Uh, actually, it's a half a cup of coffee because you get two for the price of one. And then if you don't like that, then you get all your money back if mm-hmm. you don't think that yeah. it's worth it. Uh, but it, uh, the premise is that I have confidence in your ability uh, to make your own decisions on matters public and private. And I, when I say you, I'm talking about the big you. I'm talking about everyone who's listening to your broadcast today, this Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, great title, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all I do in the third degree is reserve the right to ask hard questions on those same public and private issues and do so uh, in a hopefully thoughtful, provocative manner uh, meant to stimulate thought and action, recalling Socrates. Uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. And so we try to look at matters uh, on a singular basis, a particular subject every Sunday. And I normally send it out late Saturday night or early Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and uh, have gotten quite a good response. So uh, I'd like to write, as you know, and I do a bit of that along with the speaking around the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a a proper vocation now for a, uh, how would I describe myself? Uh, a balding but dashing and aging fighter pilot. How's that? <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about your days as a fighter pilot a little bit here, but uh, I've got a caller here that wants to just, I think, send you greetings and as a former sure. military man as well. Danny, go ahead. You're on with uh, General John Borling. Good morning, sir. Uh, I want to thank you all for such a difficult job as a general you must go through. I can, can't only begin to understand. Many folks don't know what you must go through from the civilian side of the house, the politics and uh, military decisions that you all have to make. And I do know that I would fail miserably in a position such as you had. And I was lower ranking, obviously. I was I was able to be early on. I was uh, color guard and stuff like that. I was pretty squared away and went in and did a lot, but, uh, you know, I sure wouldn't want your job. Well, you're very generous. Thank you, sir, for uh, the service that you uh, uh, performed. You know, there's about 25 million veterans, even though we celebrate the war dead properly. We, uh, we have a big tent been recognized. That the, uh, it's probably closer to 20 million now. Uh, but uh, that extends then with uh, family members affecting, you know, almost half, uh, by extension, uh, of the people in America. So the the military institution, despite the fact that it stubs its toe from time to time, is still the most respected institution uh, in the land, and that's why this SOS America or Service Over Self uh, initiative trying to get legislation where uh, more people can have the advantage of uh, military service, albeit limited, a year, uh, voluntary. But we think the young men and young women of America need uh, that kind of exposure, that kind of uh, common uh, experiences and values, and that we can mix 
geography and mix ages and and uh, get America basically nation building in America all over again. What do you think about that? And I like it. I love the idea. Hey, thank you. Hold on, John. We got to get uh, got to get some commercials in here. So I'll be right back sure to thing. you. Okay, hang on. Sure uh, this is uh, Major General John Borling, U.S. Air Force retired. We'll talk about his Air Force career a little bit, and uh, he's got quite a story. Nine twenty-two. Back in a moment. There's a big white house, it's on a hill just up the road The man inside, he cried the day they brought me home They folded up a flag and told my mom and dad We're proud of your son And I'm proud to be on this peaceful piece of property I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best of company. I'm thankful for those, thankful for the things I've done. I can rest in peace. I'm one of the chosen ones. I made it to Arlington. On this Memorial Day weekend, 925, we've got Major General John Borling, U.S. Air Force, retired with us. He is an author, a poet, a speaker. He's our guest today, 33 years in high-level command and staff positions, and uh, he is with us this morning. We're uh, thrilled to have him with us here as we head into this important weekend. 1963 Air Force Academy uh, graduate. Now, John, I got a chance to go see the Air Force Academy finally a couple of years ago. And always wanted to see it. That's a stunning place out there. At the well, Academy. it is architecturally, and and uh, and the spirit with now over fifty thousand graduates. So uh, I was pleased, uh, privileged, look uh, as a draw, almost uh, birth anyway, uh, to be in the first full class that spent all four years at the site, uh, and so we. Uh, have particular dibs, if you will, on the place, uh, the members of the class. We started with close to 800 and graduated right at uh, 499. So uh, Wall Street was pretty large in those days, and then we were all uh, in large measure off to the Vietnam War. I was going to say. Uh, so yeah. that's uh, after pilot training and all of that business. Yeah, so it didn't take very long then. You're, you're right into it. Um June of '66, uh, you're on a combat mission. Um, do you uh, missions like that where you do get shot down? And I'm sure there's missions after mission after mission. But do you remember them all, or do you block them out? Or when you get shot down, what what happens there? Do you remember? Well, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a case where what you block out is you don't. If you're in pretty heavy combat, you don't talk about it. Uh, very much for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of just put it into a compartment and, uh, and leave it there. I'm fond of saying it's all right to look back, but don't stare uh, because you can get yourself all wound around the axle. But uh, in my case, I'd flown uh, over 100 missions. I, we always only flew over the north. We, uh, we were stationed in Thailand, and uh, we uh, didn't fly in-country. Uh, we were putting the pressure on a little bit, hopefully, the North Vietnamese. And uh, so I'd flown about 110 missions, 97 officially, because I'd volunteered for another 100 missions. Uh, there were some guys coming over that I wanted to fly with, Robin Oles, pretty mm-hmm. famous fighter pilot. And uh, But that was not to be because I got taken out by ground fire on my 97th mission 
well north of Hanoi. I got all broken up, broke my back getting out of the airplane and landing and uh, sprained everything, couldn't walk, and uh, there was no rescue available, so tried to hijack a truck by crawling out onto Highway 1, which was the artery that went from Hanoi up to China. In fact, Highway 1 is kind of the artery that runs the whole length of Vietnam. Um, and uh, I did. I hijacked the truck, uh, sitting there, or managed to have a staff so I could stand up and uh, stop a truck and uh, found out that I just hijacked a truck full of North Vietnamese regular troops. <laughs> uh, and they came pouring out of the truck, and I was uh, substantially outgunned from my little revolver and these guys with their AKs and everything. So I elected not to die in a ditch. Uh, and uh, well, that started what was going to end up to be six and a half years of uh, of time in Hanoi. Yeah. At the uh, infamous Hanoi Hilton, of course, as it became, it became known, uh, were, were there, did you know how many prisoners were there when you arrived? Did you have any idea? Well, we, we were aware of the, the, the general situation with respect to loss rates going on. It was pretty, uh, uh, I don't want to paint an overly uh, dramatic picture here, but there were, the losses were fairly, uh, uh, it was an occupational hazard. And uh, lots of airplanes were going down. And uh, uh, so when I got there, I ended up being POW about 100. Remember, I started, went over there in 1965 mm-hmm. and started flying sorties right at Christmas of 65 and went on. And this was June of 66. And I'd called my wife back in the States. So hard to do in those days, not like picking up a cell phone and spanning the globe. But we had a funny Mars radio based system and I talked to her on the phone and said, Hey, I'm gonna stay for another another hundred missions and she uh uh said, Okay, we had orders to England for gosh sakes, but uh uh in, in fighters. But uh, she said, All right, well that's what we'll do and uh hang in there. Because, uh, you know, you were young and invincible and all that stuff. So uh so I had a sense of of how many were up there, numbering a hundred or so or more. It would end up to be almost 500 when the hmm. war finally wound down. The Kissinger Accords came into effect in 73, but uh, we were in isolation or semi-isolation uh, in the early years uh, almost exclusively. And uh, it was a fairly, in fact, it was a very brutal experience yeah. uh, in those years uh, that ameliorated somewhat in the late 69, early 70 time frame. Uh, and then in late 70, there was a raid that tried to hit an outlying camp They're called the Sante Raid, and that caused them to collapse all of us, uh, every POW in Vietnam, uh, North Vietnam anyway, into the, back into the Hualo prison, uh, or the Hanoi Hilton, as you know it. Yeah. The Maison Centrale, it was a French-built, uh, which means central house in French, uh, colonial prison. And then we got communications with everyone, but most of our communications uh, was, in the early years, come through a wall, a tap code that we uh, talked about. In fact, it's in my book, How to how mm-hmm. to Do It. And in case, in case, you know, the next time you get thrown in jail, Brian, you ought to know this tap code, you know, so you'll be able to talk to the guy next to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's called, uh, it's this, uh, is a forward was written by John McCain. It's called Taps on the Walls. And um, I guess... You tell me you're in a situation like that, human communication of any kind. 
is really important, well, right? It, I mean, it is for chain of command and resistance and for staying sane. And I started writing those poems in my mind. We didn't have anything to write with. So I just composed them mentally and kept them memorized, but then tapped them through the walls so that my wife and little girl, who was three months old, seven and a half when I walked back in the door, would have something to, uh, would have legacy in case I didn't make it. Hmm. I did make it. I buried that book, put it on tape, but buried buried it for 40 years. Remember I told you it takes a certain, <laughs> you know, it has got to be in the oven for a while, so I put it away. And then John and others came to me and said, hey, you've got to publish those poems that you tapped us through the walls. You had anything that you could keep mentally active, so memorization of poems or scraps of poems and, and, you know, the Gettysburg Address and things like that. That was all valuable stuff because we had no books. We had nothing uh, uh, and had to stay mentally active. So uh, the Prisker Military Museum and Library made it uh, their first imprint, and it's had a, a, a good run and continues to have a mm. good run. I'm surprised because it was out in 2013, and now it's almost... Ten years later, and there's still considerable demand. If people want copies, it's out of print. Uh, you can get it at the library, which is military museum and library, mm. or you can just email me at uh, JLB. That's Juliet Lima Bravo, and then the word Viking. That's my old fighter pilot call sign. Mm. JLB Viking at yahoo.com, and I can send you one uh, for twenty five bucks uh, in the mail and scribed and all that good stuff. Hmm. So how's that? You're, you're letting me put a commercial in here. I mean, this was, <laughs> I did, I, 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 uh, well, I just, you know, you take advantage of the moment. Is that that's okay? A, that's okay. That's absolutely fine. Right. Uh, Major Thank General, you. Major Thank General John Borling is with us, U.S. Air Force retired. Uh, now John McCain wrote the forward. Did you know John McCain at all before oh, all of this or was this all afterwards? No, no. When, uh, in the, that time frame I mentioned in 1970 when they collapsed us, uh, John and I were together in a room that was, you know, made for 25 and held 50 at the time we were there. But uh, and we got to know each other. Uh, and, uh, and when I made an abortive run for the Senate the, uh, from Illinois uh, in 2004, uh, John endorsed my campaign. Uh, but a lot of good that was. <laughs> better fighter pilot than a politician, yeah. I'm afraid. Well, tell me about John McCain. That was good, that yeah. was good of John. No, he's an yeah. interesting guy. And, yeah. uh, uh, he's, uh, you know, quick on the draw, good American, and uh, had uh, I had great respect for John. I think, you know, you never agree with everybody about everything, and uh, I think people change a lot over time. Uh, I did a couple of eulogies uh, and requests for him uh, at his when he died here a couple of years ago. and uh, But I think uh, he and, and others, you know, we all wanted uh, to survive, certainly, but uh, looking back on those days, but I, and I mentioned it in that video and in, in the book, too, that the notion that you wanted to survive with honor, with honor, that meant everything. Uh, and we, we wanted... We wanted people to be proud of us, mm -hmm. and uh, so we uh, we always felt that we had kind of if we were if we were if we made it, and uh, and we did many of us, although we lost more than have ever been reported mm -hmm. due to treatment or even the beginnings of, in the early years when it was so harsh. Uh, 
but uh, we we thought that we had a lifetime then worth of giving back, and I think that theme remains true to those who still live, and uh, certainly in John's case, uh, he gave back in spades uh, to the nation. Uh, whether you agreed with him or you didn't on a particular issue, I think is uh, not all that important as the overall intention uh, of the man, and I now do that extension of that group of us who were mm-hmm. uh, fortunate to serve in such unusual circumstances uh, and remain true to one another and to the nation. Yeah. Does um, does time go slowly, I assume, when you're in that kind of situation, or do you lose track of time, or does it how does that well, work? Well, we, we didn't we didn't have, you know, again, anything to write with, and we didn't have, well, the only communication was through the walls, basically. Uh, I write a, there's a poem in the book called uh, Poem for 4542, which is a sonnet for 4542. For the lovers of Elizabethan or Petrarchan sonnets, I can tell you that in my mind, uh, as I created these things, I managed to mix uh, the uh, uh, the structure of those, uh, and I know that's terribly important to the liberal arts students out there listening in. Uh, the uh, the uh, poem for forty five forty two starts out about uh, uh, the world without within our weathered walls, remote like useless windows, tall and barred. And here's the phrase: here are months and years. Uh, Grow quickly by, but days, the days, mm. the empty days come hard. Yeah. Mm. Nine thirty-eight here at DWS, uh, General. If you can hold on, we'll get back to you here, and we'll talk sure. some more about some of the other things you're involved with as well. Uh, here as we go along, Major General John Borling is with us, uh, U.S. Air Force retired, and uh, all kinds of uh, decorations and awards he's received. But I know he's looking uh, more, too, at uh, what he can do and what uh, he can inspire others to do going forward in our country. 9.38, back in a moment, our news normally at the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the folks at MidFirst Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. Back Back with General John Borling in a moment. I saw her from a distance As she walked up to the wall in her hand she held some flowers As her tears began to fall Then she took out pen and paper As to trace her memory Then she looked up to heaven And the words she said were these She said, Lord, my boy was special and he meant so much to me And oh, I'd love to see him Just one more time, you see All I have are the memories And the moments to recall So Lord, could you tell him He's more than a name on a wall 944 here on this uh, Memorial Day weekend as we head into it. An honor to be joined by Major General John Borling, U.S. Air Force retired. And uh, we've been talking about uh, his career a little bit and also the other 
things he's involved with with his weekly uh, son, his column, The Third Degree, his uh, poem, uh, The Taps on the Walls, talking about his experiences as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Uh, he's done all kinds of things, architect and chief of staff for Headquarters North, an integrated NATO, National, and Norwegian command, was the senior American military officer in Scandinavia, and was personally honored by the king there. And he's the only American officer to be inducted as a commander in the Royal Norwegian Order of Merit. Also worked, uh, served in the Ford White House as a White House fellow and was the um, 1976 joined the historic first fighter wing outfitting with the new F-15. And uh, got some thoughts along the way. We're just talking about Memorial Day and the importance of it. And uh, General Borling is with us. And, and uh, John, I've been to a lot of these memorials in D.C., uh, World War II one, which is fantastic, Vietnam, uh, the the wall um i've seen the korean one um been to arlington um those are all impressive and what are what are some things we should be thinking about when we look at all those memorials i mean it's it can be overwhelming i think but well i think that it has to be quintessentially uh an individual experience you can probably related by extension to a family member, as we described earlier. Uh, I wear a pin on my lapel. It, it just is a veteran, and it's got some stars on it and some red, white, and blue colors. It's uh, generated by a veterans organization here in in Rockford, and, uh, and I pass out this pin to other veterans on occasion, and uh, when you wear it, you're in an elevator and you're going up the whatever, 60, 70 floors, and someone sees your pen and says, gee, you know, uh, it, it's almost universal. I wish I had been in the military, the man will say. Uh, and he said, but uh, but my uncle was or my father was or my, and on and on. This is as if that connection is so important to being American. I think the memorials bring it back, uh, again, on a very individual basis as to the investment that has been made uh, over the years. And uh, I come back to the phrase that I think we used already, what it takes to to be a country like ours. If you look at the path of human development, it, it's almost a straight line for centuries. And then all of a sudden, uh, especially in America, it takes off in the 1700s for sure and then the line goes almost vertical in terms of uh the standard of living the life uh capacity if you will of all americans uh part of it's uh, due to a certain our economic system which uh provides for opportunity in this land of, of plenty uh, but also our governmental system, uh, which allows for uh, that most important of expressions, and that's our ability to practice our freedoms. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that when you look at the memorials, you think about such things. And I'm fond of of quoting a phrase that is not original to me, but I think captures it pretty well, and that is where we ought to be free to practice our freedoms as long as we don't infringe on the like freedoms of others or endanger the public safety. Hmm. And I think this notion then of mutual regard and respect, even restraint, uh, is something that uh, is endemic to America. 
And I think we tend to forget that, that basic notion of uh, not only the, the rights of our, that the freedoms give us, but the duties that uh, such freedoms uh, require. Mm. And the memorials, to go back to it, and I know this is a long answer to a short question, the memorials should, I think, summon feelings and thoughts along those lines. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. Uh, 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line is 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk, at wdws.com. Uh, text says, I would with confidence proudly follow this general into combat. That's uh, one of our listeners weighing in there. Well, and um, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that expression of confidence. Uh, somebody else mentioned, I have uh, some official Illinois records for enlistments dating from the Black Hawk War up through the Spanish-American War. Many... Union soldiers enlisted from southern Illinois, this listener says, plus many revolutionary soldiers are buried in small cemeteries along the Wabash River. Um, so, yeah, there was... Uh, in southern Illinois, you mentioned this off the top, uh, being close, you know, that far south, uh, when we're talking about John Logan and his role in everything and keeping Illinois in the Union, that part of the state, too, um, was really important, so... Interesting. Well, extraordinary. I mean, again, I, I call him the unsung hero of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anywhere you go in Illinois, certainly, and even in surrounding states, uh, or in Washington or other places, you, there's all kinds of uh, statues, streets, schools, uh, squares uh, named Logan. And, uh, again, the, the great failing is that so many people don't know why. And so perhaps, uh, Penny, for your thoughts today, Brian is going to advertise Mm -hmm. uh, the importance of uh, that particular uh, uh, creative force for America uh, that that came out of southern Illinois and then served so admirably uh, the nation of John Logan. Mm -hmm. 950 at DWS. Uh, Let me get another break in, General. We'll come back and get some final thoughts from you here as we go along this morning and we'll have our flashback friday by the way coming up in the second hour back in a moment with general borling i can't forget the look in his eyes or the tears he cried as he said these words to me all gave some some gave all some stood through for the red, white, and blue, and some had to fall. And if you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Some. All right, we're on a penny for your thoughts heading into the Memorial Day weekend. And again, uh, Memorial Remember and Honor, SOS America Foundation, Service Over Self, 26th Annual Major General John A. Logan Memorial Day Commemoration. If you're up in the Chicago area, look for that. Grand Park, Michigan Avenue and 9th Street, Monday, May 30th at 11 a.m. And uh, Master of Ceremony is our guest this morning, Major General John Borling, U.S. Air Force uh, retired. We've got a couple of minutes to, to go here, John, just to... Uh, I know one of the things you talked about uh, when you were uh, as a POW and John McCain tried to do this, just try to make an impact, leave a legacy. And uh, I think with all that you've been doing, you've been doing that. 
certainly uh, going forward. And what advice would you give to young people thinking about the military and service to their country? And um, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I think the advice would go uh, well beyond the young people. Uh, I think it, uh, and I would hesitate to call it advice. I'd just call it an observation. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a wartime president. Uh, it might be interesting to try to guess who it is. Uh, no person, he suggested, is truly whole until they got commitment outside of self, till they have uh, that that uh, passion that is more than something that is self-centered. I, I think we take such pride in individual uh, exceptionalism uh, and national exceptionalism in many respects, uh, and yet we have a great responsibility too to uh, uh, to the government, to uh, our, our communities, cities, states, nations, uh, and 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 so we cannot be divorced from the greater whole. Uh, but it is the it is that sense that we have such great individual latitude uh, that. Uh, makes America so special, uh, and we got to work to keep it that way. And I, I worry a lot about the division in America, especially the racial division, which I think is uh, hyped. Uh, I think the vast, vast majority of America uh, and Americans believe uh, in the worth, value, respect of one to another, and uh, the uh, unfortunate incidents that arise in a country of 330 million people are, are amplified to uh, a point uh, for political gain, for uh, purposes of monetary gain, and I think we all need, be, need to be on the alert for that. So I think uh, old people, young people, old people uh, need to kind of link arms and uh, march on uh, as a nation. I'm fond of, of using that phrase that uh, at the end of the day, what, what you have to do as an individual, as a nation, is just keep marching. Uh, pick them up and lay them down, and, and uh, you'd be surprised how much progress you can make over time. John, this has been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Thank you for uh, your service. It sounds uh, simple, and I know that's a common phrase, but uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to you and all the men and women who have served us and have given their lives. So uh, thank you very, very much. Well, one of many, one of many uh, Brian, and thank you for the show that you are doing over these years. A pleasure to be with you today. Let's have a memorable Memorial Day weekend. All right. Thank you, John. Have a, have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Very good. Major General John Borling with us, and uh, we'll link uh, the video he put out uh, that's out there now, and uh, we'll pass along the information on the Memorial Day service he's involved with up in Chicago. All right, a quick break, and then we'll give you our uh, Flashback Friday. All right, our Flashback Friday today will be in the second hour, and here's what it is, and we'll switch gears here totally. What fad, fad, F-A-D, fad, whatever decade you grew up in or whatever generation you're from you grew up in, what fad did you get caught up in? Whatever decade it is, and I got some good ones that will remind you, that will prompt your memory of uh, growing up, but what fad did you get involved in? And give me a story behind it or funny or whatever the case may be about uh, the fad that was around in the 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s or whatever the case may be that you got caught up in. 
and you had the hula hoops or you had the poodle skirts or you had the whatever, you had the big hair, any of those stories are great. What fad did you get caught up in? We'll take them in the next hour right here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, thanks to General Borling. We're at 10-11 on this uh, last hour of the last Friday of the month, and we do appreciate the uh, General John Borling being with us in that first hour. If you missed any of that, and uh, you, uh, you may have been in and out or whatever, you can always go to WDWS.com a little later today, and we will have it on the podcast. Uh, last hour of the last Friday of the month, we do our Flashback Friday. We just kind of have some fun, let our hair down, and go back in time, go back in the... Uh, the Wayback Machine, in some people's cases, it's Way, Way Back Machine. <laughs> but uh, this one has to do with fads, okay? Fads. You remember what decade you grew up in, and there were certain fads, whether it was the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or into the 2000s, whatever the case may be. And if you got caught up in it, uh, tell us what you got caught up in and give us a story about it if you'd like. Uh, Karen York is here. And uh, you have one or two, maybe? Yeah. Um, I I don't really remember a lot of it. Fa- I mean, streaking was going on. Did not participate in that. <laughs> okay. um, but as far as it was more fashion, I think, mm-hmm. type things that I remember you wanted to dress. Everybody dressed kind of the same. We had mini skirts. Not my dad's favorite. Yeah. Um, or else you do what they called maxi skirts. So okay. it was either short. Or all the way to the floor. And all the girls, straight hair, long, straight hair. I remember my sisters using orange juice cans to at night to make sure that in the morning their hair would be straight. Yeah. So, Was there somebody they were modeling that after? Like you get oh, along yeah. in the 90s, you get Jennifer Aniston. Everybody wanted right. Rachel's hair. Right. But was um, I was probably like, I think it was maybe Twiggy, maybe. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But there were several models that I can remember seeing that they had, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the mini skirts and things. Yeah. I did not do the go-go boots, which was something that was kind of still going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember some some girls having that, yeah. but for the, I was getting more into the more hippie kind of mm-hmm. years. In no, you had a lot of sisters. Were they all different that way, or were you all? Did you oh all yeah, like, I mean, everybody was different. I mean, yeah. I remember. One sister liked her jeans long and raggedy, you know, yeah. that it had to be like the bottoms were have rips basically in it because you mm-hmm. walked on it. Um, bell bottoms were a, a big thing. But yeah, we, I don't remember, like I said, really big things, you know, mm-hmm. as far as yeah. other stuff. I mean, there were a lot of things going on, but. In my family, <laughs> it was kind of curtailed. Yeah, you tried to do, especially when you're in a Catholic school. Yeah, yeah, no, you when you knelt, your skirt had to be to the floor. Certain length. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Sure, so. sure. <laughs> Those things. Yeah. So, but once you got to high school, things yeah. were a little bit more. So, okay. Peace signs, mm-hmm. mood rings. Um, those yeah. were jewelry and stuff. So, but yeah, so it was a time that there was just a big mixture. Hmm. Okay. Very good. Dad all didn't right. like the miniskirts, I guess. Dad yeah. didn't. Well, oh, my dad, no, not at, not at <laughs> okay. all. And the guy's hair was, was yeah, they were starting to get long, yeah. Dale's hair, and Dale's hair being curly, yeah. making it long was not, you know, the best thing <laughs> with all those curls. So, yeah. anyway. Okay. Very right. good. Thank you. All right, Karen York, our office manager, with the um, her uh, fad that or whatever fads she got caught up in or were a part of, and if you've got and this this will tell you a lot about when you grew up, of course, um, for sure. We've got several texts already in on this. Um, if you go back, um, funky fads of the seventies, roller skates was one. Yeah, I think everybody was roller skating, and I got to think about this because I was. A child in the 70s and a teenager in the late 70s, early 80s. So I crossed a little bit into both decades. All right, we got a few already in here. Diana says, bell bottoms and mood rings. Yeah, the mood rings. See, I, I, was, I must have come, I think I was after that. So you may have to explain those a little bit. I mean, I've heard of them, but uh, if you're a little older, you probably uh, can tell me more details. Uh, another text says, I just loved my beetle and boots. Yeah, the beetles. Like the car. Uh, another text says, I was big into CB radios. I can tell you what brand of radio I had. My call sign, my handle from 1979. But please don't ask me what I had last night for supper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. Somebody answered, said, I blame my parents for talking me into it, but when I was in sixth grade, about 1991, I had a bowl haircut. All right. Uh, let's see here. What were a couple others I came across? I wore bell-bottom pants as a tween. In fact, there is a picture which I don't have of my brother in me in two-tone bell-bottom pants. <laughs> okay. And neon in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I owned a ton of neon clothing. I even had a neon pink sweatshirt that had the Prince lyrics, Let's Go Crazy. And also I had a lot of perms in the 80s. Even when I had the Pat Benatar haircut, except I permed it on top. <laughs> All right, 1017 at DWS. I think you get the idea. What fad did you get caught up in? This will tell me a lot about uh, where you are generationally, probably. 1017 at News Talk 1400 DWS. And Herb is with us. How you doing, Herb? Elton, how you doing today, Brian? Good, good. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Uh, of course, my fad is older because I'm older. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in the 50s... Uh, Flat top haircuts held up by butch wax with DA sides, if, if you know what DA is. Uh, clo- Clothing-wise, uh, Levi's, no belt, uh, one-inch turn-up on the Levi's, uh, sh- short-sleeve shirt with the cuffs rolled up about twice, uh, 
uh, collar up in the back, top button open, no belt. Mm. Wow. Did you go to any uh, sock ops? Oh, yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, we, my wife and I won the, what used to be called the hop on WCIA when we were in high school. Really? You won it? Oh, yeah. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that three dollars buy me a cup of coffee. Hey, you know what hey, I mean? That's part of your life. Hey, thank yeah. you, sir. Yes, sir. You good that to have good to have you. Uh, Ten eighteen at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Ryan Dallas Real Estate, number one in homes sold, number one in client satisfaction. Success stories after success story after success story. They've also been the. Um, what the People's Choice, and we're taking nominations for all the different People's Choice. Go to the News Gazette uh, website, by the way, for that, or the app for that. But you can check that out. Fast-moving market. You need a agent who knows how to put winning deals together. And as a buyer, secure the home you want when competing with other buyers. And as a home seller, so you don't uh, leave any money on the table. Folks at Ryan Dallas can help with that. RyanDallasRE.com. Hey, Brian, hot pants and big belts. Yep, that would be a fad. That maybe you got caught up in. Uh, another texture says, I had to have Adidas shoes. Had to have them. 1019 at DWS. Wasn't there the story of uh, Michael Jordan was close to an Adidas deal or something, and then he wound up going with Nike? And the rest of that is history as we know it. 1020 at DWS. Got to catch up here a little bit. Let me get back to, to all of this. Got a couple of callers on the line. Hang on. Back to you and you in just a moment. Ten twenty three on a penny for your thoughts here. Our flashback Friday. What fad did you get caught up in growing up? And uh, what you tell me, you'll tell me a lot about where you are generationally, <laughs> of course. Uh, so uh, somebody mentioned the mood rings. Joshua Reynolds didn't really believe it could, but he did figure when he sell the idea to the general public as a novelty. He did this in 1975 with the mood ring, which was invented in the late 60s by Marvin Wernick. Heat from the wearer's hand would cause crystals in the ring to warm up, making the face of the ring change from black to green to purple to blue, or blue to purple. Reynolds sold more than a million dollars worth of mood rings within three months of their debut, and everybody checked in with their mood rings with nearly religious fervor. All right, let's go uh, back to the phones here. So what fad did you get caught up in? You you admit it now. You're like, yeah, yeah, I got kind of swept away with this, uh, for good or bad. Uh, Jamming Jimmy Bean, how you doing, sir? Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Yeah, great topic today. Um, and all of us have memories of, of this uh, this type of experience. Um, when I was a kid, man, you had to have... Chuck Taylor 
Converse tennis shoes. That was, I mean, that was it. You just, you had to have Chuck Taylor Converse. And for me, there were some times when my dad wanted to, uh, you know, go a little bit cheaper and get shoes at Kmart or whatever. And it was so important socially to have those Chuck Taylors that I would just, you know, ask him to give me the money that the that the tennis shoes would cost at Kmart, and then I'd take some extra money from my paper route and go to Bailey and Hines and get myself a pair of Chuck Taylors. <laughs> there you go. You, you were, had to have you, them. You had to have them, yeah. <laughs> uh, you just did. You couldn't be around my buddies and go play any of the pickup games and not have your Chuck Taylors on. <laughs> That's just that's just how it went. Isn't that funny how that works? <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. the and the bell bottoms, when the bell bottoms came out, my dad and my grandfathers especially just hated those. And they associated them with hippies and they didn't care too much for hippies either. Um and so my mom rewarded me when I, I was still in grade school, fifth or sixth grade. I wanted a pair of bell bottoms really bad my dad was totally against it but my mom rewarded me because i got such good grades in school but i think the first couple pairs of bell bottoms i got i don't think my dad even saw me wearing them for you know (laughs) a couple of months because he was always gone in the morning before i went to school and by Mm. the time he got home i changed clothes i don't even think he knew i had them for a while (laughs) Uh, it was that big a deal yeah well and then one other thing real quick uh, that I remember that caused a lot of injuries. Um, they came out with this toy. I think they were just called knockers, um, hmm. if I remember right. And it was two, like, acrylic balls, probably about half the size of a baseball. But still, you can do a lot of damage with these things. And they were on a string kind of deal, and you would hold it in the middle – and make the balls hit each other. You yeah. know, you, I don't know if I'm explaining. I this right. No, I think I, I think I think I do. Yeah, yeah. They were really dangerous. A lot of people got hurt. <laughs> I know I hurt myself a few times with them, hitting myself in the head. But uh, yeah, knockers. That yeah. was crazy. Those. Yeah. Were, I think those were only around for about a year. But yeah, well, you had yeah. the you had the one toy with the paddle. You know, where you'd hit the rubber ball. You know, you try to yep. b- bounce the rubber ball off the paddle. And that would right. use, that thing yeah. would usually hit me in the head, you know, because the ball would sure. wick around, whip around, coming and right back at coming you. right back at you, <laughs> and it's coming back with you just as just as ferociously as you hit it away from you. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, thank you, and we're we'll get together about a music show. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about Absolutely. that soon. So. Okay. Absolutely, that'd be great. Have a great day. All right, Brian. see you, sir. Thank you, Jim and Jimmy Bean. Ten twenty eight coming at you live, as he says. Uh, they were called clackers, somebody says, is the name of those. Another text says, I was into bell-bottom pants. Ugh. And a mood ring changed color depending on your mood. Happy, sad, nervous. Really, it depended on how cold your hands were. And this listener says, I had the Farrah Fawcett haircut, of course, with puffy sleeves and cowboy boots was my thing. <laughs> yeah, Farrah Fawcett kind of launched a lot of hair. If I remember all oh, the girls in high school... Um, that was pretty big. Uh, Scott, how you doing? Hi, pretty good. Jimmy was referring to clackers. Clackers. We called them clackers at yep. any rate. Yep. Um, so, yeah, interesting story. I was working in an advertising agency for a small, time, small 
bit of time in 1981, and we were filming Tim Johnson's first ever campaign commercial. And at the time, he was known for wearing leisure suits. And I sent his staff a note saying, please dress Tim in just a conservative blue suit, (laughs) which they did, with bright white buckskin shoes and a wide white belt. Oh, (laughs) man. I had no time to reshoot anything, but (laughs) I will never forget that. He was one of my favorite people, and I used to see him a lot. But, yeah, that first commercial, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, thanks. Thank you, Scott. That was a good memory. Thank you. Yeah, leisure suits. If you were with it, if you were a with it kind of guy in the seventies, you had at least one leisure suit. Made popular via television shows such as Charlie's Angels and Saturday Night Fever, the movie. Suits made of polyester, marked by flamboyant colors, wide pockets on the legs, and wing collars. Bands like the Bay City Rollers used satiny fabric in their suits, a trend that trickled down into the mainstream for better or for worse. All right, talking about fads, which ones did you get caught up in? Hair, clothes, whatever. Uh, You can uh, send those in. Somebody mentioned uh, three-yard fluffy crinoline half-slips under full skirts. Okay. Uh, You have to explain that one to me probably. Uh, How about Super Bowls, somebody says. Yeah, the Super Bowls. (laughs) We we played with some stuff. You could get hurt. You know what I mean? It, I don't know if the folks that are protect us now from ourselves would uh, would approve of some of those things. I mean, dodgeball was really dangerous. You could get really hurt. I mean, it was it was fun as all get out, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mary, how you doing, Mary? I'm good. I when you mentioned the. Balls, I thought of the slinky, too. That's not why I called. Yep. uh, Slinky's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Pet rock. Yeah, what did it do? Well, the guy, I think his name was Gary Dahl, D-A-H-L. A bunch of them was sitting around, I guess, in seventy. Five and decided, I was talking about pets and decided they'd do this. And uh, by Christmas, he had sold a million rocks for three ninety five, <laughs> making him an instant multi-millionaire. Yeah. Pet rock. <laughs> Pet rock. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah it so that was in 75. Yeah, it didn't do much, did I it? Didn't yeah. Huh? It didn't do much, did it? Just sat there. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then some, then I think they even started making little dog houses for it. <laughs> <Put> it <in>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course they did. I didn't have one. I was a lot older then, but neither of my kids had them either. But I just happened to think of that. So when they were talking about the range, okay, hey, that's my that's it. Th- thank you, Mary. Appreciate uh, it. Yep, bye-bye. and she mentioned uh, Cal- California entrepreneur Gary Dahl. Joking around with friends one night in 1975 about the perfect pet. It wouldn't eat, make noise, or need to be potty trained. And he liked to joke that a rock would fit the bill. Everybody laughed, and as she mentioned, within two weeks, he had written the Pet Rock Training Manual. A story in Newsweek, three ninety-five apiece, he sold a million. Yeah. How about that? When I worked at Robeson's, we sold a ton of those. Pet and, Rocks. And for one of Dale's bosses, it was like, what do you get him? 
we ended up getting the pet rock because they had everything. <laughs> but when you somebody said Crinlins, the only reason yeah, I know about that? it's what they it would you'd wear it underneath a skirt. It was what my aunt did or dresses to make them basically poof out. So it was kind of like a slip, okay. like the hoops used to be before that. But it just made your everybody wanted their dress to poof out okay. at the bottom. And that would have been in the fifties. Fifties, yeah. Okay. 50s, 6, early 6, probably early 60s too. Okay. But I remember my aunt having crinolines okay. underneath and that's her, how you her say dresses. It. Yeah. Okay. Before she went to dances and stuff. Wow. Made it fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Karen. 1033 at uh, DWS Precision Painting. If you need some interior work done on your house, this is the guy to call or text. Chad Everett, 217-637-6288. Go to YWHYPrecision.com. They paint kitchen cabinets, too. They can uh, get them in a cabinet finish that can completely transform a kitchen. And they can help with colors. Precision painting. They can make walls look brand new again. Super rated, super service. You name it, A rated. They're all uh, they're at the top shelf. Interior painting. Precision painting. 217-637-6288. Uh, got some more coming in here. Hang on. Back in a moment here. What fad did you get caught up in or swept away? Maybe you regret it now. There are pictures to prove it, but uh, you were there. Back in a moment. All right, we're on a flashback Friday. Our news, by the way, during the course of the hour today, brought to you by Luther Falls Custom Kitchens, Grant and Quartz. Prices starting at just $35 per square foot installed. 2706 North Madison, Champaign. Visit online at lutherfalls.com. And Blaine's Farm and Fleet, also your ag headquarters, helping you get the job done right with farm supplies and equipment, fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin based and family owned since 1955. Our flashback Friday. Today, having to do with fads that uh, maybe you got caught up in along the way. We all do, right? Depends on when you were born and fits into your uh, generation or your decade when you grew up. Uh, let's see here. We've got a few more here. Hi, Brian. An Imperial Yo-Yo and a Rawlings Bobby Richardson baseball glove. Those are a couple of good ones right there. Remember sidewalk surfing? Well, most everyone had a skateboard in the 60s. We even took them to school, and I served some detention time for riding it in the hallway. Funny, they're still very popular today, Ron says. Appreciate that. And I like this one. Uh, my mother was with my aunt who was hospitalized in Chicago. My mom brought me back some silly putty, which had not yet reached central Illinois. I took it to school and placed it in my desk after showing the silly putty around. It disappeared shortly thereafter. Another classmate came in a few days later with silly putty. Hmm, wonder where he got his. <laughs> All right, uh, Frank is with us. Hi, Frank. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I don't know if it was like maybe a national fad, but it seemed like it was. 
And looking back at it, it was just horribly ridiculous and probably really tacky. But we used to make these pull tab chains off the pull tabs off of pop cans. Okay. And we literally hung them from our doorways so that they made curtains. Uh, we did, you know, draped them across the ceilings of the roof. And it was just, I mean, just feet and feet and feet and feet of these things. And, um, you know, I had them. My friends had them and all that. And that was, we just thought that was kind of, looking back at it, it's crazy. Yeah. And another big one was model cars, uh, uh, those plastic models. Yeah. Um, back whenever I was in grade school and even into junior high, um, all of us bought those and put them together and, and displayed them in our room. Uh, our bedrooms, you don't see that sort of thing anymore. No, you don't. So, yeah. I remember trying to do that. I never was very successful, but uh, I tried those, it. Those, those were the two things we tried to, <laughs> we got into. So, Very good. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. That's Have a good, a good one. Weekend. Yep. Thank you very much. Here's some others just uh, mixed in here. Rubik's Cube. Of course, that'd be from the 80s. Parker pins. Lava lamps. Marbles. Friends, the TV show, uh, yo-yo, somebody mentioned those, matchbox cars, mood rings, slinkies, <clears throat> leg warmers. How about that? Right out of the 80s. I remember that. 217-356-9397-1041. We go to Joe, who's up next. Hi, Joe. Hey there, Brian. Yes, sir. The, the, the thing I remember... Me and my brothers, we there. There was no skateboards in no store, so you had to take roller skates, rip, take the wheels off them, and put those on a piece of plywood, and uh, set that up for your own skateboard. And uh, then I remember later getting into like Citizen Band Radio. Uh, I had was a Siltronics. It was a tube type radio. I remember those a long time ago. This yep. one they got the in there. Yep, I remember. Uh, well, you know, if you ever saw the movie Back to the Future, when Marty is in 1985, and then he goes back to 1955, and you got these kids with the piece of plywood or whatever it is on their skates. And yeah, and, yeah, and Marty yeah. Marty literally just rips it off and you know forget that let's just skate. He <laughs> just ripped it off of there like you don't need this, but uh, it was it was kind of funny. So anyway, All right. have very, a good one. Have a good one, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Here's one. Val speak. If you saw the Valley the movie Valley Girl with Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman, you're probably familiar with the term Valley speak or Val speak. Social dialect coined by Valley Girls. Fad was started in California's San Fernando Valley in the early 80s. All right. 217-356-9397-1042. Of course, arcades, mullets. Talked to my friend Lee Marcus this morning. He had a, a great mullet. Yo-yos. Yep, that's another one that's in there. Uh, Nancy is with us. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Brian. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Oh, in my in my good morning in my archive, I have a troll doll, and um, it's uh, dated. I think it would have been in my um, late elementary years, fifth, sixth grade, which would have been in the sixties. 
And uh, I was on the back. I was looking. It has a dam on the back of it. So that was the uh, that was the manufacturer. And they were called Dam Dolls, I guess. D A M. And uh, they were. They came. I I believe they came with like nude, no little clothes, and long, colorful hair. And and uh, uh, so I still have mine. But I also have all the little clothes that I made for it. Because, you know, you just couldn't have one of those with no clothes. That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> I, yeah. I Actually, yeah. Actually, um, actually maybe I, I see I do have one here that maybe it did come with. It was kind of like a blue felt over. Maybe that is what it came with. Hmm. But so from that, I copied and took some more felt and made uh, my own hand-stitched clothes and measured it out and and made some more, you know, I had to have variety of clothing, so <laughs> I remember playing with them a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, we don't make much yeah. of our own stuff anymore, yeah. do we? we? We just take what they give us, so. No. Yeah. That's no, really fun. No. I can tell I'm a budding seamstress then, so I see all my little stitchings and, and sewing on of snaps, so, and all are kind of uh, beginners, beginner sewing, so. <laughs> <laughs> Good anyway. <laughs> Good stuff, Nancy. Hey, thank you. Great to, great to hear from you. Yes, very good. 1045 at DWS. Some from the 70s. A disco, of course. And that would be, I, I got I got into the disco stuff. I mean, I just, I'd ABBA and BGs. I could listen to that stuff all day. Um, Afros, black power movement of the late 60s and early 70s. Claim the mantra, black is beautiful. The Afro was one of the ways to show solidarity. Rather than continue to straighten their hair, African Americans let their manes grow unhindered. The effect was a kind of halo or ball shape around the head resembling a dandelion puff and sometimes growing disproportionately large. Angela Davis, the Jackson 5, but it was influenced, but it was generally reserved for the black is beautiful set. Roller skates, pet rock, leisure suits, mood rings, CB radio, punk rock. All right, there's some more generational things there. Cabbage Patch Dolls is mentioned by a texter. Etch-a-sketch, Beanie Babies. And, hey, Brian, I remember big combs sticking out of our back pockets. I had a really pretty one with flowers and a pretty shaped handle. Yep, late 70s, early 80s. I know exactly what you're talking about. And along with the uh, pop tab chains, we made gum wrapper chains. Wow, did we have time on our hands. <laughs> well, the other one I remember, too, was the hacky sack. Remember that? Get a group of people together and just kick that thing around. Mostly guys, I think, is what I remember. Now, maybe the girls were doing it, too. I don't know. But, yeah, hacky sack. 1046 DWS on a flashback Friday. Hi, Michael. Hey, you just got mine. I was going to say hacky sacks. Those were, like, super popular when we were in college. Yeah. Um, they were, I used to sit there and kick that stupid bag around like five guys. Just yeah. sit and kick it. We did that. You remember when they used to, a uh, couple other ones, were. remember when you used to, this was, like, kind of probably late 60s, early 70s, they would uh, take, like, a wine bottle and they would burn multiple candles, and it would coat the side of the wine bottle with, like, all sorts of different colors. Hmm. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. 
that was mm-hmm. like a big deal. I had a beer can collection too. That was like one of the <laughs> collect beer cans, <laughs> like from all over different kinds of beer. I had literally four hundred something beer cans. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I, you know you're about ten years old and you're collecting. It wasn't like now where you have all these microbrewed beers. So you know there was so many different kinds, but lot when you'd get ones that didn't have pop tops, that was like the they were worth the most. They oh. were the coolest because. You know, you had to use a can opener to open it. Right. <laughs> you couldn't open it. Right. <laughs> no. That before the pop top was yeah. okay and now it's not okay or yeah. Yeah. So, no, you're right. Topic. Hey, that's a good one, Michael. Thank you. Have a great day. Pre- appreciate it. You too. Thank you. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. The hula hoop gets mentioned. Ugg boots. Hubba bubba bubblegum. The Rachel haircut, there's that again, from Friends. Uh, I had a daughter get into My Little Pony. Jelly shoes. Those are interesting. All right, Calvin's up next. Hi, Calvin. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Good. What's up? Well, I'm going to step outside and say I'm kind of a sports thing. You look up now, Little League. I was back in the 60s, the baby boomers. You had Little League season start. At the end of May, like now Memorial Day, and go all the way through Labor Day, uh, you would have a 20-25 game season before the tournament even starts. Wow! Now you look up, and now you look up, and you have a uh, little league start now, and maybe ten games. Next thing you know, you look up June fifteenth, June twentieth, championship game. Oh, what happened to the little league schedule? <laughs> if you won, if you won the Twin City Championship, you played everybody, and you were a true champion. Wow, well, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's yeah, that was back in the mid sixties, seventies when I came up. You, I played in the Texas League behind Southside School, Hmm. and you know, you usually had four teams to a league. We had JC Drive-In, Sullivan Chevrolet. I played for Joseph Thune and Eisner's, and you know, you played a twenty, twenty-five game season, true season from May to September, and then by time school started. Twin City champion was named. It was a true champion. Now you play 10 games, you look up, well, the championship game is June 15th or 20th. Dang, what happened to the season? Yeah. <laughs> good good stuff, Calvin. Thank you. You're I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, Brian, good show. I'm going to start in the late 60s into the 80s. Bell-bottom pants, shirts with front zippers, long hair, long enough for a ponytail. We're talking about fads here. Puka shells, am I saying that right? Puka shells necklace, CB radio. My handle was Yogi Bear. Big Watts stereo systems for car or truck and home. Good times. Somebody mentioned Cabbage Patch dolls and cap guns are another one. 1050 a DWS. Hang on, we got two Kevins and a Jeff. Got some more coming up here at the Champaign Public Library, champagne.org. And congratulations to. Um, the new library director, effective June 1st next week, is Brittany Millington. We've had her on the air before. Brittany's combination of forward-thinking innovation and commitment to the library's core values make her the best possible candidate to lead the Champaign Public Library. So uh, make sure you check out the uh, books, all the movies, and say hi to the new library director next week, Brittany Millington. And thanks to Donna Pittman for all her years of service. Back with more on a Flashback Friday. What fad did you get swept away in when you were growing up? Back in a moment. 
Back on A Penny for Your Thoughts, our flashback Friday as we uh, wrap it up here at the end of the month, the last hour of the last Friday of each month. We'll do it again in June, of course. Just talking about fads you got caught up in, and we talked in the first hour, a very uh, serious discussion with uh, General John Borling. If you missed any of that, you can go to WDWS.com. I'll be off on Monday, back on Tuesday, May 31st, and uh, Judge Mike McCuskey will uh, join us on that day. 1054 DWS. All right, uh, some of the fads here real quick. Beanie Babies is mentioned in a text. Eight-track tapes mentioned in a text. Saddle shoes and bobby socks. Hi, Brian. Boom boxes and Walkmans. Yep, that's on the uh, all-time uh, top list. Vinyl albums. Gee, your hair smells terrific shampoo. Yeah, and I remember that. And I was a teenager, this listener says, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, JNCO jeans, huge pants, much like bell-bottoms to you older people. <laughs> okay. And anything Abercrombie and Fitch brand. Also, the Furby toy was big when I was a kid. Yeah, remember that. All right, back to the phones here to Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. What's up? Good, good. Hey, back in the 80s, I'm sure it's already been mentioned, but the mullet. But I had a permed mullet. Really? The permed mullet. Did that and make you? Did I that make you extra special then? I guess so. Maybe not though. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays, I guess uh, according to the lady that cuts my hair, the kids come in and want the baseball cut. Really? It's called the baseball cut now. That not a mullet, but a baseball cut. Not a mullet. The kid yeah. and she says, "You mean a mullet?" And he's a no baseball cut. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Maybe some of our challenger kids will come with the baseball cut. Maybe so. They might. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, thanks Jeff. Weekend. Yep, Jeff coaches with me in the uh, Kiwanis Tom Jones Challenger League. 1056 at DWS. Roost by Roger, one of our sponsors, been around since 1985. And uh, Roger's been in the business 46 years. Go to his website, roostbyroger.com. Check out their Facebook page. They do gutters, gutter guard, windows, and siding. And the great people working there. Janelle is in there. Aaron's in there. Of course, Roger. Free estimates, residential and commercial. Give your house a facelift. And uh, the phone number, 217-834-3800. Back to Kevin on the phones. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Brian. Yeah, Kevin on John. See, there's two Kevins, so I'm Kevin on John. Yes, that's right. Uh, the, the 50s, real quick, uh, greasers had ducktail hairdos a ducktail yep and you want to know what a ducktail is watch the movie grease and travolta but they it was also popular to have taps on the bottom of your shoes so you didn't wear your soles out yeah and uh from the 50s uh stuffing uh human beings in a telephone booth and then on to the 60s it was stuffing people in a beetle bug and uh, I think one caller said about beetles and boots, there were beetle boots. Hmm, okay. And Ringo hat. Oh, <laughs> beetle okay. Beetle boots and Ringo hat. That's what it was, beetle boots. Okay. Yeah. yeah that it makes. A, it was a boot that was a half boot, and it had, uh, like, fabric expansion or cloth on the side of the shoe, so it would move apart as you pulled them on. Ah. Kind of square, rounded square toe, but hmm. that's it, man. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Appreciate you. 
Good to hear from you. Here's some other ones, just rapid fire here. Beanie Babies, again, breakdancing, pogo sticks, scratch and sniff sn uh, stickers, yep, crazy frog, candy bracelets, Crocs, the perm, jelly shoes, weebles, grunge, push pops, Ouija boards, wow, Pokemon cards again, Napster, Turnups, trouser skirts, kappa jackets, shell suits, Rubik snake, and sea monkeys. <laughs> okay. I like this one. I once bought and wore a leisure suit when I ushered at a friend's wedding. Fad items make for really awful wedding pictures. <laughs> yes, they do. Hey, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for all the input. Thank you for being with us and being there every day for us. Uh, we love uh, visiting with you each and every day, whether it's the fun topics or the serious ones. Uh, stay informed and uh, stay together. Uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday. Remember those who gave their lives for all of us. And again, thanks to uh, Major General John Borling for being with us as well here today. Thanks to Blake Landon for his help today and, of course, all week. Baseball coming up this afternoon on the radio, Illinois baseball. They played till 2 in the morning. They're playing again uh, later this afternoon, so listen for that. And have a great Memorial Day weekend. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. The news is next at the Tone at 11 o'clock Central.